If you have been a little bit more curious or you want to learn more about the psychology and the mindset around food and eating, this episode is for you. I'm joined by Maria Maxe, who I love. I just love her work, but she does a lot around eating psychology. She's an eating psychology coach, and she really just helps women get to the core of what's going on in their relationship around food. And so she brings in some of her expertise here in this episode, talking about some eating psychology principles and some tips, again, to restore your relationship with food, your body, and yourself by looking at what's really happening when you're eating and you're um, thinking about food. So definitely check out this episode and um, yeah, make sure you check out all the resources. And I just wanted to let you in also on a little secret. You all know I'm about food freedom. You all know I'm about finding peace with food, your body, and yourself. That's why I talk about it. That's why I bring on experts around it. But I am doing something special. A couple months from now, I'm hosting a group program, my six-week boot camp, which I've led one-on-one clients through, but I have not led it through as a, a group before. Um, because just wanted to really kind of hone in on it with the one-on-one clients. But I know that there's so much power in group and there's so much power in this program. And so I'm actually opening up registration for that early from now so that women can secure their spot and get support in between through a bonus session that I have um, for all those who register by June 25th. So if you're just curious and you want to learn more about that boot camp, make sure you check out Um, make sure you book a coaching clarity call with me. This clarity call is just a space where you can share what your goals are for the summer and for the fall and for for your life and your health. And I will just share with you how this six-week bootcamp in particular can help support you and even the bonus session that you'll get um, in between now and the bootcamp. So book a coaching clarity call. It is a free call where we can just chat. So don't feel like you need to like definitely say yes then, but I wanted to open up space from now so I could support you in between now and when the group starts. So book that coaching clarity call. I'll send you all the details on the six week boot camp, and we could talk about it together. All right. Enjoy the podcast episode. And I can't wait to talk to you over the next couple of weeks so that you can join us in this amazing six week transformative boot camp to reset your mind, your body, and your soul through changing your habits, changing your mindset so that you can have the body, the health, and the life that you've been longing for. All right, enjoy the episode and hopefully talk to you soon. You're listening to the More Than Your Weight podcast and I'm your host, Brianna Wilkerson. You know, for over half my life, I had to really pay attention to my relationship with food, my body, and myself. As a young girl, I started to find my worth in my weight and my work and started to define my beauty and my body and my value through how I looked and how other people saw me. That led to disordered ways of eating, of exercising, and really just a poor relationship with my body and myself. And then when I started to finally see that my worth was not in my weight, it was not in how I looked, and it was not in what people thought of me, that's when I found breakthrough and freedom. And ever since, it's been my mission to help other women do the same. I am on a mission to see other women find peace with food, feel confident in their bodies again, and develop a healthy lifestyle that's more than about what they weigh. Now, weight loss is not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think when we are approaching it from a place of value or a place of trying to find our worth in it, that's when it can really trip us up. 
So I want you to find peace with food, to find your version of food freedom, your version of body confidence and love, and a healthy lifestyle that is about so much more than what the scale says. So this podcast is going to help you do that. You're going to find solo episodes, guest interviews, all designed to really speak from the heart, give you some new ways of thinking and acting so that you can start to also believe and walk in the truth that you are more than your weight. And from time to time, I'll throw in an essential oils episode because I'm also a lover of essential oils. So I'm so glad you're here and I'm so honored to be a part of this journey with you. So please, before you get into the interview into the interview or the podcast or leave, I want to make sure you do a couple things. Make sure you join my free Facebook group, the More Than Your Weight Facebook community. This is a women's community designed to support you in really unpacking these episodes. I also host free trainings, free challenges to really kind of support you more in this journey. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, but also subscribe to my weekly newsletter so you'll never miss a podcast episode. You can find all the links for that in the show notes. So make sure after you listen that you go do those things. Okay, so excited for this episode and so excited to journey with you. All right, enjoy. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am on with Maria Maxey to talk all about eating psychology principles and how it's different from the common nutrition and movement guidances that we have. And I met Maria through her own food freedom show back in November, an amazing, amazing collection of women and show to, yeah, just help women find freedom with food in their bodies. And so I just thought it was perfect since that's kind of now the focus of this podcast to really have her on. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I love that we've had these different touch points over the last six months and the alignment here is really fun. So I'm looking forward to chatting more about this. Yeah. So tell us before we get into all the juicy details you have to share about eating psychology, tell us a little bit more about you and your journey as it relates to food and your own body freedom and how that led you to going and get your eating psychology certification and what you do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I always start with the fact that I grew up moving quite a bit. My mom was a professional gymnast and I grew up in Europe and we lived in Greece for most of my childhood. And so both those things paired, I was very much embodied in moving my body and also had like a very healthy relationship to food and nutrition. It was very centered around uh, community and sitting down together and just pleasure and enjoyment. And that really stuck with me for quite a long time. But as I reflected back, which often happens when we start to do this work, I had blind spots that I hadn't seen until, you know, even like last year when we moved to the States, I was in my teenage years. And as I reflected back, I was like, oh, I had started emotionally eating and like coping with my anger, my anxiety through just a lot of eating. And then it started to become also body dysmorphic tendencies uh, eventually. So I, I realized that recently, but All in all, I did have a pretty healthy relationship with food throughout high school and even into the beginning of college. Uh, What happened in college was kind of simultaneously. I had gone on vacation and allowed myself to relax and I wasn't moving as much so my body changed a bit and got back and I was working at a gym at the front desk and I overheard someone, um, a guy I was into, like make a comment to someone that insinuated that he noticed I had gained weight and it just like set a trigger off that was 
ready to be set off, which moved me into like very restrictive eating. And um, I was eating like the exact same thing every day, really small amounts. And while I was dancing six, seven hours a day, I would like force myself to go to the gym and go to yoga and all kinds of stuff. So over exercising and restricting. And then right around the same time, I started to notice digestive things come up that were out of the norm, which um, most similarly, the symptoms are reflective of ulcerative colitis. I've called it IBS just because that's more commonly known, but in general, just like intense cramps in the gut, really distended belly, bloating, um, really an unable to eat so many things. And so we go into, now I have a super distended belly. I already have these body dysmorphic tendencies and this body image complex. Uh, And so all this stuff around my body and my worth and attraction and all of that was really inflamed. And it all came to a head when, you know, I had this list of like 10 things I could eat for my doctor and I was isolating a lot and not going out and socializing because I couldn't eat most things that were out and I wasn't able to go out with friends and party. And so that's when the emotional eating started happening and, you know, emotional binge eating. And yeah, it was just a very, very, very tough time. And so I've gone through all these different experiences where orthorexia happened as a result of that. Because now it was like I was crazy about reading labels and everything had to be the cleanest. And I would travel like an hour and a half to go to the grocery store that had the thing versus like going around the corner, all kinds of stuff. Lost a lot of energy and there was a lot of stress. So that was kind of like the climax of all of those challenges. And that went on for a couple of years. What happened was, without going into the details of everything, I moved to New York when I was 23. And I think the scenery changed everything up. I fell in love. I had a new community. I started um, really just experiencing more independence and more autonomy. And I also started to be with emotions that I think I had resisted for a really long time. And slowly started to notice different correlations with how I felt in my state of being with how my digestion was and how I processed food and how I felt about my body that had nothing to do with what I was actually eating or how I was moving. And that kind of sparked this interest within me and an intuitive hit that we've got it wrong, that the mainstream information is not leading us in the right direction. And a year or so after that, I found the Institute for the Psychology of Eating, where I did their eight-month program and had so many things confirmed with like science and research and backing, and it was thrilling. And yeah, longer story short now, that's like five, six years ago, and, and here we are. Wow. There's so many things from your story that I can resonate with too. Just like uh, the restrictive eating and then the over-exercising, how a comment led you to kind of go down this spiral. And obviously, you know, I don't think the guy was trying to be mean or anything. He made a comment, right? But just, it's just, it's it's as easy as someone making one comment about us to get us down this spiral because we're just so connected to how we look. And food is a huge part of that too. And I mean, you just, yeah, you went through a roller coaster um, of all the different points, but I just loved how at the end you just mentioned um, being with your emotions. And I think that's one thing that it's hard for us women to do in particular, but like, you're right. It's hardly ever about food. It's something else is going on that 
maybe you don't feel like you have the time to deal with. Maybe you don't feel like you have the energy, or maybe you feel like you've tried to process it with, with someone before and they kind of shut you down or there's so many things that pop up. And so I would love to hear, I mean, I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Um, I wish I could go to all the schools out there because it just all looks so amazing and great, but I would love to hear from you. What are some of the core things you took away from um, eating psychology? And then, yeah, how does it kind of differ from the common nutrition and movement advice we get out there? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much. It's really so abundant. So it's so hard, but I will, I will do my best top to five synthesize. Things yeah. Things yeah. So right. Much. It's, it's beautiful work. Cause it's like, there's so much to explore, which, which um, I hope this just chat between you and I inspires um, anyone who's listening to really dive deeper into, because there is so much. And I'll say that one of the first things is really that our relationship to food, to our bodies is, often just um, a lens to see our relationship to life through and to ourselves and to others. So there's quite a number of correlations there. And I actually just uh, have been thinking a little bit more about like how intimacy and our relationship to that is reflected in our ability to just be with food and be with a meal without multitasking. And so that's just one example of how it's a very mirrored relationship. So I'll, I'll kind of break it down to be a little bit more specific as I think about some bullet points. You know, we hear often that you are what you eat and we can make some um, judgments around that of other people, of ourselves. When we eat a certain thing, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I am what I eat. So now like I'm this piece of bread or I'm this apple or like I'm good because I had an apple or I'm bad because I had bread, you know, just kind of some common thought patterns and something that eating psychology does is turns that around and says you eat what you are both can exist but it's really more so you eat what you are so if we think about our inner state our our frequency our vibration how we feel we often choose food or we choose relationships or we choose experiences in this life based on how we are relating to ourselves and what we believe about ourselves and ultimately what we believe about ourselves actually sets the baseline for um, magnetism. And in a way, when I say that, I mean, just like what we feel resonance and attracting to us. So if I feel constantly um, down and like I'm judging myself and I feel deflated, well, if we just even imagine that energy for a minute and then we put food the options of food in front of us what do we usually go for we're going to go for things that probably support a continuation of that energy or attempt to give us comfort or kind of a spike uh like a high a bit which sugar can do or just like really um yummy foods from childhood that trigger kind of that like oh this is fun this is energizing and there's nothing wrong with those foods it's just about noticing what that level of self-identification causes us to lean towards. And so if I'm in like a state where I feel really connected to myself and really connected to nature and others, and I'm committed to being present with the ones that I love and committed to being able to move my body and to create things in the world that have an impact, then I'm probably gonna nourish with foods that right away I feel will enhance my energy. And that can be different for all of us. So, so that's one. Um, let me think of, of another, the, 
the thing that is not so commonly talked about, and I think this is a good identifier, is kind of like the changing diet. And I don't say diet in the way that when we're restricting, I say diet in the way of like a way of eating, is that it's going to shift throughout our life because we are always changing. And I think that that's something the diet industry and fitness industry isn't so forgiving of and can confuse people and pigeonhole people and then create a lot of, uh, yeah, just what is that like inner resistance? And I've said confusion, but the way that it's classified is uh, my teacher talks about there's therapeutic diet, where if we're ever going through kind of like an ailment or, you know, the nervous system isn't great or the body's feeling a little weak, we will likely need to eat in a way that's therapeutic to enhance the immune system, to enhance the, the body. Um, then there's the maintenance phase. And that's where like things are running smoothly and you can kind of think of this as like the tank is filled, but we just like want to keep topping it off a little bit. So we're, we're fueling it with foods that are more like our day-to-day -day norm. And then there's experimental diet where maybe things in our life are changing, like our environment, our lifestyle, um, our circumstances have changed. I think about women, if we have, if we're pregnant or if we've had a child, like all of a sudden what we need is going to be different. And so we might experiment with different ways of eating, new ways of eating. And that is a phase two that offers a lot of grace and uh, self-reflection and also observation to see, hey, this actually resonates now. It didn't used to, or this doesn't resonate anymore with my body. Okay, good to know. So that's another element that I think is really helpful to think about. It just gives space for change. And um, one that I think is really important is that of just how, it's how we eat, not what we eat. And this one's quite layered, but that was one that really stood out to me the most and something that I really work with my clients with. It's like, we're going to work with what you eat last. We're going to look at how you eat first. Is it always on the go? Is it standing up in the kitchen? Is it always watching TV? In other words, is it always distracted eating? And there are studies that show when we're not present with our meal, when we're multitasking, we actually gain like 40 to 60% less of the nutritional value of what's in the food simply because we are not connected to the food, to our, what we're tasting, to what we're experiencing. And there's something that happens when we eat with presence is that we can actually open ourselves up to pleasure. And pleasure is such a huge catalyst in the digestive process and the satisfaction cues come from the indication that there has been pleasure from the meal. So what that means is that if I'm eating and I'm distracted, my body's not really registering, ooh, this is so good, this tastes amazing. Maybe momentarily, maybe at the beginning, maybe all of a sudden, but often we go unconscious. And so what happens is the brain doesn't release the neurons that say, hey, this is amazing, I'm so satisfied, starts to communicate to the gut, they're speaking, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know what, the brain is satisfied, check into the belly, the belly's full, okay, we're good. Now we're satiated, we can go on to the next thing. So what happens often is when we're distracted, we're limiting, we're not getting that full brain response, and we're also limited in enzymes because 
when we are connected to the sight, smell, experience, flavor, texture of the food, we're releasing enzymes in the mouth that help break down the food. And so when we don't do that, we can experience kind of food sitting in our belly for a while. Maybe we have sluggish digestion. Maybe we don't go to the bathroom often enough. And then beyond all of that, um, there's also the pace at which we eat. So if it really does take the body about 20 minutes to signal that we're full. So if we chow down in five minutes and then we say, well, I'm not full. <laughs> it's true because there hasn't been enough time for the body to receive and to kind of log the information. Uh, so one thing I will say as a side note, if someone's like, oh shoot, I'm a, I'm a fast eater, is that a problem? Something my teacher would always say is like, if there's no symptom, there's no problem. So it's just like, if we have, you know, trouble digesting or anything like that, then there's something to look at. And if we're constantly hungry after having had a meal. Uh, so let me just go into that the pace at which we eat is also important or just to notice that like, hey, if I'm eating really fast, maybe if I slow down, will my satiation cues change? And as the conclusion here, if we have been multitasking or if we haven't been totally present or if we've been eating really fast, it's likely that we will have this thing where it's like, I can't believe I'm so hungry, like I just ate. But it's a perfectly normal response and the brain is actually looking out for you because it's going, we didn't get nutrients, gotta go back for more. But what happens is we become very self-judgmental, we start to compare, we maybe eat and then we don't feel so great because now all of a sudden we've eaten too much and then the 20 minutes sets in and now it's like, whoa, I ate too much, now I don't feel great. Uh, so so there's that's really like, I know I said a lot about the how eating, but um, I hope that it just illustrated a few different ways with some background on what's actually happening and in a way that someone can relate and be like, oh, okay, you know what, I can actually identify that that's true for me. My goodness, I just kept taking notes. I was like, yes, writing that point. Yes. So amazing. Like, and I think these are the things that like, we don't think about because we've been trained just like go find, follow this plan. It doesn't matter about your relationship with food, your body or yourself or your life. It's just get your body to where you want it to be or society wants it to be. But I love how you just made these three points that, you know, um, you eat what you are and just like, and I think that is very much the case with us. It's like, if we're feeling something, whether about ourselves or something else, we eat to reflect that. So yeah, when I'm feeling great in a good mood, feeling like I'm on top of the world, I do choose more nutritious foods because I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, this is it's great. But when I'm not, it's like, I eat that food to match what I'm feeling. And often sometimes to kind of cover what I'm feeling, um, which you mentioned in your story. And then I love how you just talked about the changing diet, because that's very true. Like now as a mom, before I would say I follow more of like a paleo diet and I would say I still do because it works for my unique body. But now I'm including things I did not have a, two, a year ago because it's like, this is just what my body needs and I'm so okay with it, but I wouldn't have been okay with that a year ago. You know what I mean? So I love how you talked about the different types of the phases, the therapeutic, the maintenance and experimental, and then how you eat. I love how you spent more time on that because we I believe often when women come to maybe you and I, or even anyone in this industry and saying, tell me what to eat. And then we actually say, let me tell you how you, how to eat. And they're like, what? I have to like sit down. I don't have 20 minutes. I don't have time. I gotta be checking my emails. I gotta be doing this, but it really does. Your brain can't register that. And I love how, man, I love that's That's where you start because that's hard work. If you, you know, I'm a, I'm a fast eater. 
And so having to just naturally, even when I'm not doing anything, I'm just like, this is good. I just want to keep eating. Um, but in those moments, I have to say, all right, well, you just took eight minutes to eat. So you better just sit here for a while and see if you're full or not. <laughs> uh, but in some cases, I'm like, okay, you can take, it's almost like what I, someone told me once, um, just sit down, take a few breaths and be present with your food. And it's amazing. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm giving myself permission to eat and eat slowly. I think that's part of it. It's just, I, I, I just feel like food is something like a, that I have to do. Like I just got to eat because I'm hungry versus like I get to do and I get to enjoy. So my goodness, all three of those points were so, so good. So if someone is kind of like listening and they're like, my goodness, Marie is speaking my own language. What, you know, this is a lot. It might be a lot to change at one time for someone. Where do you recommend they start? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you actually just said something that I think is the starting point, which is um, to sit down and just breathe a couple of breaths. I usually guide like three to five breaths in the beginning before eating and just taking a moment to settle because so often too, our relationship to how we value our own self-care and the way that we nourish ourselves is reflected in our habits around eating. So if we're constantly rushing or not present with it or just squeezing it in when we can, it's pretty reflective of how we value ourselves because it indicates how much we, I guess, how much time we think we are worthy of having just for ourselves to be taken care of, if that makes sense. So to even just do that is a really powerful act because it brings presence. I talk about presence and pleasure in food. And so we bring in the presence. Now, I know from personal experience that sitting down to just eat, if we've spent a lot of time multitasking or if there's something we're trying to avoid, that that can feel pretty confronting and uncomfortable. And so sometimes I guide clients to like set an ambiance or um, put on some like lovely background music that's like Italian, like I'm gonna eat and kind of set set a mood for the, the space. Uh, if, if it's okay to just explore and dive right in those couple deep breaths and then something that I'm really a big fan of because I think it connects us more deeply to what we're about to eat and can really calm our nervous system and if we are having kind of any anxiety about eating or just carrying anything with us, it resets is a like gratitude prayer for our food. So I, I take a moment. It doesn't matter where I am. I did it last night when my dad and I went and got tacos at this place. I just put my hands over my food. I close my eyes and in my list, there's so many things to be grateful for. So I'm, I'm there for quite a bit, but it can start with just being like feeling gratitude for this meal that is going to nourish our body and then allow us to continue to be and live in the world and connect with people that we love and do things that we enjoy doing or it can give us the energy to make the changes that we desire in our life it's all about framing right like what this food has the potential to do for us and it's all a part of the cycle of life which um, I know is hard for us to be connected to in the world that we live in nowadays. So again, that's another way connecting to the cycle of life to think about, wow, this food was grown in the soil or if we're eating more meats like this, this spirit, this being like has now like on one level sacrificed itself for my continuation in the world. And one day I will also return to the earth and it's all feeding the same thing. And okay, let me just take a moment for all the people, the farmers, the growers, the transporters, the storekeepers, and the hands that prepared this meal to express gratitude. 
And that feels like a really significant shift for many that can be hard to remember at first, but I think takes the place of slowing us down, connecting us to the moment, starts the enzyme production process in our mouth because we're thinking about the food, maybe looking at it or smelling it. And then, um, I can't remember if I said this, but automatically slows us down because the nervous system slows down mm. and, and keeps that intention behind like, it's not just like I have to eat. It's like, I get to eat this. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause I even love what you talked about with the ambiance and the prayer. And, and I think because, you know, one thing I love, and I know a lot of us love is when we get to go out for a meal, because you do that, there's an ambiance. You also are, you're not rushing because part of the experience is going out to eat. It's not just having someone wait on you and then someone serve you. It's the experience of like, I'm with company. I'm with someone. I really want to enjoy their time. And so you eat slower, you enjoy the food more. It's about trying the food and, and enjoying that experience together. And I think what you're saying, it's kind of hard for us to see that we can have that every day at every meal, not in the same way, um, but it's allowing ourselves the permission to enjoy that meal, to be present with that meal. And I love your three tips for helping with that, us with that. Well, so, so much great stuff. I just want to know, is there anything else you would like to share with us around this um, before we share with people how they can find you and get connected with you? Mm, I'm really grateful for this conversation. It's always mm. so nice to chat about this because, you know, mm. as much as we're opening up to this more in the world, it's not so frequent that we could just like deep dive into this topic yes. alone. So it feels really good to be able to be in this space with you. And let me drop in. What is something else that I feel I'd really love to share. You're such a dancer. You're like, let me drop in. I'm like, okay, you drop in. <laughs> drop into a grand plie. I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Love it. Uh, I think what I want to say is that for us women, there's so much intelligence in our body and in our emotions and that we are in such a head air space. Um, with tech, with this analytical, logical approach to many things in the world, especially in the West. And that I think that often sometimes our challenges with food and our body are just a reflection of our, um, our forgetting the body, what lives below the chin and trusting it because we've been taught in many different ways to manipulate it, to punish it, to be scared of it. And that somehow food is this thing to fear and this enemy and it's going to like do something horrible. Um, or it's this like very challenging relationship that we go back and forth with, but it's, you know, it's really the, the body and the gut, the gut in our lower body is really the brain and the intuition and and scientifically is connected to like 60% of the cells in our actual brain. So, you know, if we're constantly stressed and anxious, then our gut may not be settled in our lower body. Um, and when we do take time to be with what's there, what's in our body, we can start to understand emotion and move it through movement. You mentioned I'm a dancer, so now people know, but moving the body and like not to create shapes that are impressive, but to like, just shift the stagnation that can be there, the rage, the anger, the sadness, the grief, because so much of that is what's sitting um, just below all of this stuff with food when, when we are 
feeling out of alignment with our relationship to it. And so really my invitation is to have women move their body, not go to an exercise class and and listen to what's being told, but put on music or don't and free flow and move and stretch and lean and go crazy, go nuts, turn up the volume or slow it down, but have a relationship to your body and see what comes through and then see what you choose from that place because everyone is so infinitely connected and wise and has all the information, but the wealth of information is really below the chin. Trust what's below the chin. That you said that, and I was like, "OMG!" Like, I think one of the, I think as a whole, we women can um, not trust what's above, but also below. So we're not trusting ourselves at all, and we kind of feel like we just exist. But I love it how you're calling us to, yeah, of course, study. You know, um, be, you're you're probably definitely smart without even studying. But it's just like also connect with this part of our body that for so long either us. Um, individually or the world has told us it has to be a certain way it only fits when it's a certain parameter and one of the best ways to do that is dance I don't know if like um, there's these challenges the part of this fitness community I'm a part of where one week they'll be like everyone's going to just dance to the song and you got to post the video on social media and I'm almost like oh you want to show my moves but it's like so no, fun you know but it's like and it's not about I'm not trying to say who's the best but it's just like just let loose and enjoy and connect with what your body can do. And that's why I love particularly say I do CrossFit or it's just, I'm just amazed at what my body could do, but something as simple as dancing in your room or at a class, just our bodies really are these powerful things. And ladies, we bring humans into this world. So first of all, it's really <laughs> powerful. It's like, oh my gosh, it grew and birthed a human, you know, and sustained a human, like, but obviously our bodies can do way more than that for those who don't have kids. So I love that kit. And I just wanted to share one thing that you've said to expand on that is that like we've been dancing for thousands of years. Like it's in our cellular structure and DNA to know how to do it when people are like, I don't know how to dance. It's like, no, you do. You like, if you go back to being a child, kids, babies, they move, they just find the beat or they find, they make their own beat even better. They make their own beat. And that level of confidence and connection to presence is like, oh, just the goal for me, you know? So, so there's that. And, and the reason why this is so valuable is that when we get connected to our body, we get to hear its cues and it tells us how to nourish ourselves and when to nourish. Then it's not this game of what should I eat? When should I eat? Is this too much? Is this too little? The body will tell you, the body will tell you, but we have to first inhabit it. And, and so I just wanted to like close with that, that that's really where I was going with that. And I'm glad that you brought it back to that. So good. We can keep talking all about this, but for another day, for another episode, guys. So thank you so much for joining us. I would love for you to tell us um, how people can get connected with you on social media, your website, but also the free gift you have for those who are just wanting to learn more about you and what you do. Yeah. So great way on social media is at Maria Maxey. So it's my first and last name on the Instagram. And my website is movingbody.com. So that's up. And then what I would love to offer is a free 30-minute clarity call to anyone who's feeling really connected to this information and feels like, whoa, yes, this is this is where I'm at. This is the next step in my journey um, to just see like where I can support in offering some guidance or clarity on what to explore or what's possible there. So that is my free gift. Excellent. Thank you. So everyone, I will make sure to link all that below. Check it out. 
follow Amri on Instagram too. That's where I follow her. And it's, she just always has, I mean, I love your reels. I love your videos. I'm just like, yeah, I can move like that. <laughs> it's just so fun. You're so joyful and you have so much life. And so you bring that energy into that space. So thank you so much. I have to tell you the trick for the reels is to slow it down and listen to the music and then dance, yes. you know, that's yes. the trick, the slow mo version. Ah. It works. Try it well, out. It's I like the two times. I, it's two times. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to have to give you, you have to give me a little tutorial on it. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. My goodness. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Maria. I remember going just as we were recording and taking so much notes because she just mentioned so many great things that were, guess what? Food for thought. And so I hope that you just, you know, re-listen to this episode, check out Maria's stuff, take her up on her offer and just, um, get the support you need uh, around this. But also, I just want to let you know that I'm here to support you as well. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, that I have a special six-week boot camp program coming up that I have opened up for registration. And I just want to get as many women as possible who are ready to transform their relationship with food, their body, and themselves through mindset, habits, and so much more. So all you need to do is book a coaching clarity call with me um, and we could just talk about where you're at. I could send you the details on the boot camp, and we can just talk about if it's a great fit for you. And you want to book that call soon because um, if you sign up before June 25th, you will get a free bonus one-on-one session to use in between now and when this um, the group program starts, okay? And so book that coaching clarity call. Go to madewell345.com slash clarity. Again, it's a complimentary call where we can just chat and see if this boot camp is a great fit for you. All right, I'll see you on the next episode and I hope to talk to you very soon. That's it. That's another episode of the More Than Your Weight podcast. I hope that you're leaving encouraged and inspired to continue to walk in your more than your weight journey. But before you leave, I want you to know you're not alone. And I want you to really walk in that by joining my free group, the More Than Your Weight Women's Community. This is a space where you can unpack the podcast episodes, get support throughout your week. And also make sure you subscribe to my newsletter by signing up for weekly updates when podcasts come out, as well as all the other things that I'm offering in my business. And if you're not about Facebook or even maybe you're not about email, make sure you follow me on Instagram at madewell345 to show you the behind the scenes of my life, my business, and also support you there. Okay, I just had a blast in this episode and I hope that these episodes have really been just encouraging you and inspiring you to know that you are more than your weight. Okay, that's it and I'll see you on the next one.